Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. Today we're joined by a guest, Tom Lutz, who is the founder and creator of Report, which is an innovative wine preservation technique and system. And uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, Robert, Peter, thanks. It's great to be here. I was wondering if you could give us a brief introduction to yourself, your background, and also talk about how the product came about and maybe even dive into the science of it. Yeah, Robert, I actually have a PhD in chemistry, and I've always kind of spent my professional life where science and real-world problems meet. And to me, finding solutions to real-world problems is kind of a fun thing. And about five years ago, we had a newborn son. I think he was about two weeks old, and my wife was sleeping, and I was kind of resting on the couch in the middle of the night, keeping an eye on him. And I think we just poured a half bottle of wine down the drain. And I started thinking about wine and wine going bad. And as many people know, oxygen, uh, I affectionately call the frenemy of wine. It's a friend. It does all the micro-oxygenation. It does the aging on the shelf that we're so familiar with. That's the reason we let our wine open back up and aerate it on occasion. But once you're done with a bottle of wine at the end of the night, it becomes its enemy. It's literally turning the alcohol in your wine into vinegar. So any wine preservation technique or method on the market is really trying to get rid of oxygen. That's the key. And I I started thinking about that problem and thinking there's got to be a better way of getting oxygen out of your bottle than trying to push it out of the way with uh, a vacuum pump or some other way that kind of doesn't get all of the oxygen out. And that was really the start of the problem. So the next morning, I started doing a little bit more research, and it turns out that oxygen absorbers are actually used kind of in the food industry all around us. The best example I like to give is in a bag of beef jerky, that little packet that's in there. Most people assume that's a silica gel. Silica gel absorbs moisture. That's the packet that we'll get when you buy a new pair of shoes or a purse or things like that. But oxygen absorbers are actually used to preserve food and have been for for decades. So we tweaked that chemistry just a little bit to really optimize it for the wine environment. And the end result is what you see today in Rapport. It needs a little bit of a unique chemistry, basically, to work well in the wine environment. But the building blocks were already there for us to start from. So there's a lot of FDA-approved food-grade chemicals that we can use for this application. And if you were to actually cut open a report stopper, you'll actually find a packet just like that of what you'd find inside of one of those foods. And the reason we do that is that keeps all the science away from the wine and the wine away from the science. So what we're doing is we're reacting with oxygen. It's iron plus oxygen, and there's no byproducts. So if you listen really carefully when you open up that bottle of wine that's been saved under report, there's 21% oxygen in the air around us. We remove all that oxygen and we don't replace it with anything. So we are truly creating a 21% vacuum in the wine. Not a vacuum in the sense from a vacuum stopper, but because we've removed oxygen and not replaced it with anything. So you have those little packets that say do not eat. I had to email your marketing person, Barb, at one point because my fiance was helping me with study wines and put the report into a wine and then I found it on its side (laughs) soaking in it. Is that okay? She told me it was okay, but what's the chemistry behind what happens there? Yeah, so if the packet that surrounds the chemistry is actually like a Tyvek, if you're familiar with Tyvek. So that's that house wrap. What it does and what its whole intent is, is to allow air to pass, but not liquid or small particles. So the wine would not get into the packet and vice versa when you lay it on the side. But because of the way the science works, you actually need that air exchange to occur 
for the contents of that packet, the contents of reporter remove the oxygen from the air. So it wouldn't, doesn't hurt the wine any, but it's not going to be effective in removing oxygen and preserving the wine. And then the stopper is also not necessarily intended to be stored in that way. So it's not secure enough that if if you came back at the wrong time, you might have found the rest of that wine on the floor or in the bottom of your fridge or something. So yeah, it does need to be, be stored vertically. And for those who haven't seen it, it looks kind of like one of those decorative bottle stoppers, maybe a little less decorative that you stick into the top of the bottle. And that's where it absorbs oxygen. One of the things that some of my friends who use it, uh, I've introduced it to, always wonder about and ponder is like, how many times can you actually use it for for different bottles, right? Because potentially it's got still more oxygen absorbing capability than just using it for one bottle. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, I like to compare it to a tank of gas. There's only material there and when it's gone, it's gone. So we've designed that stopper, which really is as simple as removing a foil seal and then using it like a decorative stopper. That foil seal is protecting the oxygen absorber inside of it. So you're ready to use recording and keep your wine fresh. We built the stopper and the, the amount of material that's inside of it around a 750 milliliter bottle consumed glass by glass over five pours. So if you think of that bottle in reverse and the amount of air that we have to remove all the oxygen from, one glass of wine gone is 150 milliliters of air, two glasses, three is 450, four is 600. And if you add all those up, that's 1,500 milliliters of air. So we build a little extra capacity in there. So the absolute maximum amount of air that you'll remove all the oxygen from is about 2,000 milliliters of air. So I get that question a lot. I've only used it on a half bottle of wine. Can I use it on additional bottles? And the answer is absolutely yes. We technically, and from a company's perspective, endorse and say one stopper is good for one bottle of wine. And the reason is, you need to start tracking how much air it's been exposed to. So if you want to say I moved it right from this bottle that was a half bottle, that was only 375 milliliters of air that it's been exposed to. There's a lot of active ingredient left. So if you want to track that, it works great. Fill up an empty bottle of wine and fill it with water so they can save it for additional uses. And I'm all for people, but we can only formally, you know, technically endorse one use so that we know it's being Right. So they're all one use because you couldn't just leave it on the counter and wait for your next bottle to finish because it'd be absorbing air in the, it'd be using the environment to waste the the product on the inside, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I get stuck with that name one use. It's good for one full bottle of wine. So you can use it multiple times throughout that bottle. And if you really want to track the oxygen, you can use it on multiple bottles, but it's really intended for one full bottle of wine glass by glass. And is the product recyclable? Because it looks like it's a little plastic tab. I just throw them in a recycle bin. I'm not sure if that's appropriate or not. Yeah. So when I developed it, I spent a lot of time around making sure it was all made of 100% recyclable materials. And because I'm a scientist, I kept digging in even after we were done with that. And the dirty little secret of our recycling system in the United States is they pass everything over a three inch by three inch grid. So any plastic, whether it's recyclable or not, if you just kind of go on your curbside recycling, generally gets passed through that three-inch grid and gets put into a waste stream. So it is 100% recyclable. It's going to depend on municipality and your local recycling standards on whether it will be recycled. We will take stoppers back, and we do have for larger volume customers like restaurants and wineries and things like that. We do have clients that will send the stoppers back at our cost, kind of collect a full box of them and then ship them back. 
and we will make sure they're recycled properly. Things we can do as a manufacturer is a little different than the curbside system. Yeah, I also a Nespresso user, they started doing the shipping paid bags that I fill up. And once I get enough capsules, I basically give them to the UPS guy and they take them away. That Something like that would be interesting for high volume users. Yep. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're, we maybe don't have quite the infrastructure that they do yet, but that's we are working on uh, programs like that. And for people who haven't bought Repor before, what's the pricing like for the stoppers? Yeah, the most cost-effective pricing for consumers are 10-pack, and that's 10 stoppers for $17.99. Best places to buy it is either on our website, Repor.com, or Amazon. A lot of folks go to either one. We also sell it in a four-pack for $8.99, and then also have a 72-pack, which retails for $120. And what about for the trade? Trade, we offer, we try to do as aggressive as we can. So we offer that 72 pack in a kind of a four pack bundle to optimize shipping costs. So it's a four 72 pack set and it starts at 83 cents a stopper for them and goes down. So try to be very cost efficient and effective for the trade as well. And I'm curious on your consumers right now, if you were to put percentages for the end consumer versus restaurants and trade, how would you break, do that breakdown? Pre-COVID, as kind of our launch strategy, we were focused almost entirely in on-premise and trade. And the reason being is most of us have tried a wine preserver that's a gimmick that doesn't work or maybe will extend for a day, but that's about it. And I had a lot of feedback that you really need to have exposure from the experts in the industry first. So we focused there, have had very, very nice success. And then coronavirus hit. Most of those restaurants have been closed or open closed. It's not hold from adding new things. So in the last few months, we've transitioned to reaching out more to consumers. Kind of the hidden thing for us that has kind of materialized through it all is virtual tastings have really exploded in a positive way from our brand's perspective. So we've partnered with a lot of wineries, a lot of sommeliers, some restaurants that are doing virtual tastings, trying to send out two or four bottles of wine oftentimes. Some wine clubs are using us as their wine club gift or shipment as well. But it works perfect. You know, you're doing a, a virtual event, two, three, four bottles of wine, one or two people out trying to enjoy those. And you obviously have a lot of wine left over at the end of that half hour, 45 minute session. So Rapport has worked very well to help facilitate that. So right now, it depends on the month. So sometimes restaurants are they're reopening. No one's thinking about virtual tastings. Next month, it's the exact opposite. So it's really hard to answer that, that question, Robert, because we're, we're ebbing and flowing literally every month at that ratios. They should always be thinking about virtual tastings though. Right. <laughs> I've told some of my clients about it that hey, if they're doing virtual tastings, why not consider that if they don't have half bottles or something smaller to send people, right? Repour is a cheap, easy way to do it that doesn't have a whole lot of other packaging to go with it. Yeah, and we do some custom branding too, so they can put their logo on the stopper and kind of leave that lasting impression as well. So that, that's an option too for wineries, which some are doing, some are just using standard. I was just about to mention that since you just showed us one of those from the Donnellan Winery, right? Yeah, yeah. We've had some great partnerships doing custom branding as well. Great. And then we were talking earlier before we started recording just around how you can often buy it directly from you. And sometimes there's a discount code if you sign up for the email list and all that sort of thing. Be a great partner both to our wineries and to our customers and consumers. So if you sign up for our email list, we run promotions most months or every other month or or so, and they vary. The one we just ran was four 10-packs for $50, which is a pretty aggressive program. So 
you know, we try to switch it up. Sometimes it's four packs, sometimes it's 10 packs for consumers. So yeah, no, I'd encourage people to sign up for the email list. And we try not to send too many emails, just enough to provide an incentive if people are interested in stocking up a little bit. So I'd be curious if we can talk a little bit about besides report the other alternatives. And we mentioned a little bit in the beginning, this kind of like the vacuum and argon gas and things like that, cork and refrigeration. Like how effective are those kind of traditional devices and mechanisms for preserving wine? Yeah, the real trick, people look at me a little funny because I actually say we don't really care how much oxygen is in the air above the wine. We really care about how much oxygen is in the wine. So one of the challenges with a lot of those technologies is they're displacing air. And when you're displacing air, a lot of times you can only get 50% of the air gone. A traditional vacuum stopper will remove about 70% of the air above the wine. But you're leaving a tremendous amount of oxygen both in the air and in the wine. So what you end up happening is you preserve the wine maybe for a day, but there's still enough oxygen there to break down the wine and degrade it. So most of the traditional air displacement methods work very minimally at best. Most of them will advise you to refrigerate your wine. And it's actually the refrigeration that's doing, because that's slowing down the chemical processes that are breaking down your wine. The only other really technology that I would say is effective is Coravin. And that's really because you're not putting oxygen in air, oxygen in contact with your wine in the first place. So you don't have to get rid of it because you've never introduced it into the system, into your bottle of wine. I use both. And uh, obviously, they're at very different price points. How would you explain to the user, how would they know which one to use and when? How would you break down the difference between Corv and the report system? Yeah, I think Corvin's got a great place to do a little taste of your wine to see if it's, if it's ready to be consumed or if you want to lay it back down for a couple more years or extended storage. I think it's great if you want to really cellar your wines and have one glass of wine now and then come back to it in another year or something like that. I think report is great for, for just enjoying a bottle of wine. You open it the way you normally would, glass of wine or the whole bottle, and if you enjoy the whole bottle, you don't preserve it at the end. So one of the big differences is with, with Corvin, you have to make the decision before you even take a first sip out of your wine that you're going to use it and going to use that the argon gas. With Rapport, you open it, you're enjoying it with your wife or your friends, yourself, whatever. And then at the end of the day, you decide whether you want to preserve it or save it for another day or not. So on a cost basis, just on the Oregon capsule versus a Rapport stopper, it's a little apples to oranges comparison, but effectively, it's about a third of the cost of the consumable. So it's quite a bit cheaper. But it, like I said, you don't even have to make that decision to later on in that bottle of wine. So less expensive because you do end up finishing the bottle. You don't save it for another day a lot of times. I'd say I end up using it for tastings as well for studying, but for like screw craps or other things that are, or things with plastic corks that you definitely can't use a, a Corvin for. That's a great point. It's non-discriminative against what the bottle is fixtured with originally. So you can use it on anything, screw cap, synthetics, natural. It's good for all, all stoppage types of systems. Robert and I really learned about it through a friend of ours in a tasting group, Mark Gildo of the Kami restaurant in Salmi in Oakland. How do most people hear about Report? It, it really has been all word of mouth. You know, I'm a scientist, as we mentioned earlier, and I've always believed that the technology has to stand on its own merits, maybe to a fault a little bit. I've just kind of let people about it. So it's been a very a slower word of mouth process instead of hard advertising and marketing. 
you know, honestly, I've been very humbled by the endorsements we've had and people willing to tell other folks in the wine industry about us because they've had great results. Yeah. When Mark told us about that, I actually, I think I just bought a 10 pack or a four pack it, and I did a couple of trials and actually blinded Peter and our tasting group, a bottle that was open for three months under the report. And I, and what's funny is I actually went back several times to that bottle. And so I guess my problem as a consumer, I didn't quite understand the science behind it from the packaging necessarily. And so I just trusted Mark, who's an amazing Psalm and used him extensively. And that was really powerful for me. But I ran my own trials the same way I did with Corvin. Before I'm going to use it on something expensive, I wanted to run it on at a lower price point to kind of give proof. Did you guys do similar kind of trials to learn about? Like, how did you get like industry acceptance? So I, in developing of it, I spent a full year working on the science and the chemistry and I tested it and I enjoy wine and I would say my palate's evolved a lot over the last five years, but I don't trust my palate to the level of, of you guys or a lot of folks in the wine industry. So after about a year, I, I kind of reached out to a local SOM group and they ran a blind test for us as well. I think they did four or five different wines and wines were open either seven or 14 days. And I was humbled by the result. It performed way better than I thought. And that was really how, when we knew we were onto something. And from there, it's been, we've attended a couple events. We did go to TechSOM one year, which is kind of one of the marquee events for some of the Sommelier group people in the world. And we gave we gave out a lot of four-pack samples there. I can trace a lot of the conversations that I have to people that were either, either there or met somebody that had tried it. From. But most people's experiences are exactly like yours, Robert, is that they say, somebody that I implicitly trust in the wine industry told me about this product. I trust them, but I still want to test it for myself. And it kind of goes back to that scientist. And I think people are very curious in the wine industry and consumers and industry folks alike. But it's really hard to trust a, what looks like just a small little stopper is going to do all this stuff that people are telling us it does, or I tell you it's going. And there's so many gimmicks out there. I remember seeing on Shark Tank this like inflatable balloon that, and I was just like, why? Why would I want to put a latex balloon in my wine? <laughs> I'm of the mindset under promise and over deliver. So I try to, maybe I go too far in that direction sometimes, but I try to let it stand on its own merits and let people explore. I'm oftentimes asked how long will it keep the bottle of wine fresh? And I say, I've taken it out to seven months, eight months, and I've had great results. But for whatever reason, we want to test it six weeks. So there's been hundreds, if not thousands of reviews that people have either told me directly or I've had in conversations that they've like, we tested this six weeks and I was shocked the wine was still great after six weeks. So I always say weeks or months. We're not trying to sell it for five years, but you know, enjoy the wine and it's good until, for most circumstances, until you're ready to come back to it and finish it. So you've been selling Repor for three years now, right? What's the future of Repor? When we developed it originally, we had two different ways we could go with the stopper. One was to make a two-piece design where you have a replaceable insert and just that part, that active ingredient that's chewing up the oxygen is the only part that you're using and then reusing the main. We had a lot of feedback from four or five years ago that a single-piece design would be more convenient and easier. But I think there's a place for both. So I would look down the pipeline for something that would have a replaceable insert potentially. And the one that's kind of the most exciting for me right now is we're working on a, a fixture to preserve sparkling wine. So Rapport, the way the technology and the science works is only interacting with the oxygen in the wine. So by doing so, we're able to truly preserve the integrity of the wine itself in a sparkling wine without interacting or influencing the carbon dioxide at all. The problem is, is if you take Rapport as it exists today, the back pressure from that can pop it off. 
So we're working on a clamp that will hold repour on a, a bottle of sparkling or champagne and be able to preserve it for till you come back to it and want to enjoy the rest of the bottle. So how is that different from a normal clamp? Because my understanding is the CO2 in the wine will just kind of fill out and block the oxygen from getting in for the most part when I put the clamp on. No, there's something called the partial pressure laws of oxygen. So once you've opened up that bottle, oxygen is flooded into the wine. So just like it would a still wine. So the carbon dioxide, the pressurization, what you're going to want to do on a sparkling wine is get a clamp back on it as quickly as possible. So that carbon dioxide, as you're well aware. But once you've opened it, oxygen is in the bottle as well. So that oxygen is going to start turning the alcohol in the vinegar just like it would with a still wine. So what, what a rapport or the rapport science will do is remove the oxygen from the bottle of the spark. It would do the exact same thing with carbon dioxide as a traditional clamp would today. We're not adding more carbon dioxide, pressurizing it or anything like that. So if the way you treat your wine with your sparkling wine today goes flat, it would go flat in this technology as well. But if you can keep the bubbles in there, the carbon dioxide's in there, be able to do that with rapport, but without the wine deteriorating. Yeah, I one time took a wire cage from a champagne bottle and put a report in there and clamped it down. And it, it did manage to stay in there, but uh, and it seemed to work okay. But it was just more of a hacky thing where I didn't happen to have another pressure capsule. So I kind of made my own. Uh, yeah, du- duct tape is the one I hear most often that people have played it with duct tape to see if it'll work. But <laughs> So in terms of metering, we talked about that as well. Is that a potential future design or how difficult is it to put a meter to understand how low that gas tank gets? It's a challenge. It's one of the most commonly requested questions. How, how can you do that? I've got a couple ideas that I'm playing with, nothing fully vetted yet. So possibly in the pipeline, but it kind of just depends on how research and development goes with that. And in terms of the price point, is there a goal? Like what's the target price point as you start to scale and gain traction in the market? Is there a target price that you'd like to get each stopper down to? I'd love to get them below a dollar a piece. So one stopper or one consumable insert is a dollar and what can save your full bottle for a dollar at a consumer level, retail level pricing. We're below that now as it is for restaurants. That would be the ideal goal. It depends a little bit on raw material pricing and some of the technologies that we can tap into. But that would be my ultimate goal would be to try to get something to that level. I mean, obviously, I'm not as price sensitive as maybe some will, but I think that makes it much easier to use for all range of wines at all price points. Yeah, exactly. And most people will tell me, I'll use it if I'm on a bottle that's $12, $15 or more. It would be nice to just say any bottle of wine that I want to keep and keep fresh is worth putting it on from my own personal use perspective. Great. Tom, it's been really interesting. With every guest, we tend to ask them a question of, what do you think is a lasting trend in a fizzling fan? And we'd love for you to use the lens of wine preservation to answer that question. I think the lasting trend is consumers are enjoying better bottles of wine all the time. The wine world is making better bottles of wine all the time. With direct-to-consumer purchases of wine, I think we're more willing to buy expensive wine. So when it comes to preservation, being able to really preserve a bottle, keeping it fresh, I think people are caring more about that than they ever have in the past. And I think there's technologies that can actually preserve wine for an extended length of time. So I think people are going to experiment more with their wines as well. So instead of saying, I've got that Pinot that's open from dinner last night, I guess we'll finish it today so we don't throw it out. I know it's good for another week or however long until I want to come back to it, I'm going to open something different tonight. I think 
wine preservation, in a sense, really ties into our exploring wine in a whole different way. And by being able to keep our wine fresh, really that exploration is up for everybody. Interesting. And in terms of fizzling fat, things that you think are selling now that you don't think will last or any kind of trend? Yeah, I think just the gimmick things. The reason people keep trying different gimmicks is because there's a need to save our wine. And as they learn that there's methods out there to save your wine and they don't have to be expensive or big devices, those gimmicks, I think, and I hope will start to fade away and people will realize that fresh without fail. Well, those are great insights. Again, I'm a huge user of your product. If you ever need a guinea pig, we have two right here in San Francisco <laughs> that will happily test some of your future products. But I want to thank you for taking your time and enlightening us on the wine preservation area. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.